sometime we planned that Lori Goode would be sharing with us. So Lori, come on up here. Stand with me. Lori's going to be speaking in line with the series on the Battle for the Mind, something that she shared some time ago at a women's retreat, and uh, all kinds of good reports came back from that. Felt that it was very appropriate for us as a community to hear. And uh, Lori's normally on Broadway, sings, dances. Uh, no, this is a little bit of a new experience for her. So, uh, uh, and amazingly enough, she just gave birth to her third child a couple weeks ago. So it's, it's uh, absolutely impossible. So, uh, uh, so we were praying along the way, oh my gosh, if she's late, how's this all going to work out? Because we really wanted her to hear. So this is a blessing to be able to hear from you today. Lord, come over here. I want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you have provided freedom for us in the cross. And that uh, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. To reveal your life. To, to show us the Father's heart. And we know that it's, uh, there is a battle involved. And today, we thank you for the things that are true in Lori's life, that she's been learning and growing in over this past season. And we ask that it would come forth with love, that the Father's heart to us through Lori. Lord, I ask you would be caught in the middle of the love that the Father has for the Son and how that's expressed. That you would open up her eyes to see the hearts that this Word is pouring into today. And open up our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm really privileged um, to be up here. It's it's been kind of a crazy month and a crazy couple of weeks. My I just had a baby two and a half weeks ago, and she was way later than I thought she was going to be. So this has been changed a couple of times. Um, and then earlier in the week, my youngest was growing up, and now both my middle girls have pink eyes. So you can pray for my husband. He's at home with all three. Um, he's kind of sad that he's not able to be here, but um, but I just felt like this is such an important thing that that God has really changed my life through this, through His teaching, through what He's taught me throughout the last probably year and a half. Um, and and so I felt really strongly that no matter what keeps happening, all these delays and sickness, and you know, this has really been put to the test this week for us. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to get eye drops in a two-year-old and five-year-old's eyes, but it's not fun. <laughs> uh, five times a day, too, so <laughs> lots of temper tantrums. Um, so this has really uh, just been significant for me, and so I'm, I'm really excited to get to share with you um, this morning. So we'll just dive right in. Um, but like Jeff spoke about a few weeks ago, um, kind of his first first uh, sermon in this series was that there is a strategy of deception. Um, and it's been the same since the beginning, that Satan deceived Eve by causing her to make decisions based upon her, her what she could see, what her emotions were, and what her reason told her to be right, rather than on what God had already spoken. And so Eve's process of believing lies and acting on those lies is actually the same process that we go through. And um, first, Eve's first mistake was to listen to the enemy, um, listen to the serpent. She let in this information, let in the lie. 
and um, that it was contrary to what God had spoken. And then secondly, she dwelled on that lie. She engaged the enemy in conversation. And she contemplated that, well, maybe he's right. Maybe what the Lord spoke wasn't really the truth. And then from that place of contemplation, she moved to where she believed the lie. And then she acted on her belief, that her belief produced her behavior. Um, and so that's the same process that we go through. But the good news is, is that Jesus died so that we can have freedom through his truth. In John eight thirty one and 32, it says, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But if we believe lies and are deceived, then we won't walk out in that freedom, which is exactly what the enemy wants. Um, but God made our brains to be amazing. He Current brain research actually lines up with the word of God that our minds can be transformed and renewed. And I don't know about you, but when I read about mind renewal, it sounds a little bit mystic to me. You know, it's kind of one of those things that you believe in faith, and you say, okay, I believe this can happen, but you don't necessarily understand it. And so in reading this teaching, um, it really kind of demystified it for me and helped me to understand that, wow, this really does happen physiologically, and that it's really important. And so I started to really walk out in this as it felt like it became real to me. Um, so I'm going to give a little brain science lesson. And um, <laughs> to show you, one, how a thought is formed. Two, how in his grace God gives us opportunity to reject lies not once but twice before they ever become a part of our long-term memory. And then third, how to use the word of God to transform existing wrong thoughts into truthful thinking. So, my um, the information and research comes from a book called Who Switched Off My Brain? by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she's a Christian neuroscientist who proved that brain research lines up with scripture. So how thought is built is first the information comes in through our five senses, through, we're going to call that the doorway. This is the entry point. It gathers electrical impulses. Then it moves to the thalamus, which is like a transmitter station. So this is going to monitor and process the information and it's going to be the connecting point for the nerves and the brain to the rest of the body. So it's going to activate existing thoughts and attitudes, whether positive or negative. Stick with me here. I promise it's going to be good. Or it's going to be worth it. <laughs> That's why we did the slide, so that you could kind of track. Because when I was going over this with my husband, he's like, I am lost. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so then the information is going to move into the amygdala, which is like a library. And it's going to store all your emotional perceptions connected to your thoughts. And so this allows us to feel our body's reaction to our thoughts. Then it's going to move into the hippocampus, which is like a filing cabinet. So it files the thoughts as having either short or long-term importance. And your thoughts can stay here for 24 to 48 hours, kind of swirling around and mixing with your other thoughts and feelings, where it's eventually decided what, what's going to happen with it, um, if it's going to go into permanent memory storage. And then the information goes to the basal ganglia, which I hope I'm pronouncing everything correctly. Uh, and it's like a pinwheel. So this is like your thought is the air that turns the pinwheel. So it works with other parts of the brain to turn your thought into action. Okay, so how does 
Eve's process and our process line up with this. So we're going to kind of put it all together. So first, you listen to the lie, or I'm going to call it also a toxic thought, because sometimes you don't really know you're believing a lie, but maybe you're feeling angry, or you're feeling anxious, or you just feel unsettled or confused. These are all things that are, are going to be kind of the, the result of something that you're believing. So that's, that's when I call it a toxic thought, that's what I'm referring to. So um, the lie of toxic thought goes in through the doorway, then to the transmitter station where it's going to go and mix with other thoughts and attitudes, then to the chemical factory where stress chemicals are released, then to the library where your emotions of existing thoughts are going to mix together, then where that's where you, then next is where you dwell on the lie. So the lie or the toxic thought stays in the filing cabinet for 24 to 48 hours, swirling around with all that other stuff, and then you decide, does this have short-term memory importance or long-term um, long-term importance. And then it goes to the pinwheel. It's activated. The lie that you believe then produces your behavior. Does that all kind of make sense? You tracking? Okay, great. Um, <laughs> so, but what's amazing is that this doesn't actually have to happen. That God gives us two opportunities to reject these lies before they ever become a part of it, and he doesn't leave us in a place of believing a lie if we already have it in our memory, but he's going to give us opportunity to change that lie and to change those patterns of thinking. So Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this verse says that the key to transformation is mind renewal. And so each lie or toxic thought that we believe has to be countered with the truth of God's word. So where we've listened to and dwelt on and believed and acted on lies is where we have to listen to, dwell on, or meditate on, if you want to say that, um, believe and then act on the truth. So, but it's important to remember that this is not the power of positive thinking. This is not just, okay, I'm going to think, think lovely thoughts, you know, and then all of a sudden your mind is renewed. Okay, this is actually the Holy Spirit in you working to activate the, the truth, okay? It's the, um, I'm sorry, this is, yeah, it's how he's, the, the Lord will reveal the lies that you are thinking and then use his word and make it come alive, but only if you know Jesus can God's word be alive for you. And so, um, that this process must be done with God. It's not just something you start what you just start doing on your own, but that you're actually journeying with God through this. So, the process of renewing our mind is that first, you identify the area of bondage or sinful behavior or toxic thinking. And then second, you identify the lie, which is at the root of that thinking. Then we're going to repent for believing the lie or any sin that resulted from it. And then we're going to replace the lie with the truth. And so now I'm going to take you through this process and kind of give you examples from my own life of how God has done this. Um, and so sometimes it will be really easy to identify the lie. You can call out the attack of the enemy so easy. Um, and so, for example, we live in Watertown, and during a couple days after the marathon, um, after the bombing, 
woke up at 5.30 in the morning and I had two text messages. And one said, are you guys, this is from my brother, who's um, a military <laughs> and is a, a cop now. And he said, are you guys okay? It only takes 30 seconds to kick in a door. But we, I don't know, 5.30 in the morning, we don't know anything yet. So I'm like, what in the world does that mean? And then I get a second text from a friend that says, the bombers are loose in Watertown. Connection point. Oh my goodness. Fear immediately comes over me. Because we haven't turned on the news yet. We don't know anything. We just know the bombers are in Watertown. And so, but I knew that that was the attack of the enemy. I knew that that fear of that something bad was going to happen was not from God. And so I immediately prayed and felt like the Lord gave me Psalm 27, which is, The Lord is my life and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so as soon as I spoke that scripture out loud, the fear and anxiety left immediately. And then, and so, and then throughout the day, I just kept speaking that scripture over myself and over my family and just kept praying. And I was not fearful all day long because I, my situation didn't change. The bombers were still loose in Watertown. There were still tanks driving down my street and men with big machine guns walking through our yard and patrolling. The situation didn't change, but I processed it through the truth, which was that God is my protector. And he will protect me and my family. And that if something bad happens, then he's still sovereign in it. And so that changed the way that I processed what was happening. And it renewed my mind. It changed my mind, literally. A new thought that God is my protector was built on top of the fear. And then it was released. So that is the lie of not getting any further than my amygdala. Okay, so it never got any further past the listening stage. So this is opportunity number one for you to reject a lie. You hear it and you immediately dismiss it and start speaking the truth of yourself. So it doesn't get any further. It never gets into long-term memory. Okay? Sometimes it's going to be a little bit more difficult to identify what's going on. So say you had a rough day with your kids or you responded really strongly to something at work or maybe you got into a fight with your husband or wife or roommate or, or something like that. Um, but where you, you know something's wrong, you know this is not really how I should be operating, but you can't really understand exactly what's going on. And so this, your second tool is to journal. Um, and this is a great place to begin. Most of us are not very self-aware, or at least I'm not very self-aware. Uh, so this is the one that I use most often. And this is just you writing down and processing your thoughts with God in your time with Him. And it's important to write it down because it adds clarity and it adds organization and you can see your thoughts. There's something about putting thoughts on paper that makes it visual. That when it's swirling around in your head, it's hard to identify, but when it's in front of you, then it's much more, it's much easier to see. So for example, um, when I first had Annie, my oldest, she's five, and um, my mom was with us for a couple weeks, and then she left, and on the day that she left, when she was leaving, I bawled. I was terrified that I couldn't do this. And I even said, I don't think I'm meant to be a mom. And she's like, well, it's a little late for that. <laughs> yeah, baby. So, uh, and she encouraged me in the moment, but I was literally just paralyzed by fear. I was so afraid that I wasn't going to be able to mother this little girl well. Um, and so I, I said, I was like, okay, but I cannot operate this way. I can't, I can't take care of this kid 
with this paralyzing fear around me. And so I went and spent some time with the Lord, and I just wrote down all my fears, all my, my fears of inadequacy, my fear of failure. Um, and, you know, and then I just, I repented, and that's where I started. I said, Lord, I realized that this is a lie, that I, you know, that you haven't given me this child then to walk in fear. And so I repent for believing that lie. And God, I ask that you would speak and tell me the truth. And so um, the verse that the Lord gave me is from Hebrews 13, 21, which is God will equip you with everything good for doing his will. And then I heard the Lord say that she was made for you and you were made for her. And I have, I don't know if you know my daughter, but she's, um, not exactly like me. And so uh, the Lord has, has really used that truth that, that he, number one, he's going to equip me for whatever I need to take care of her and to raise her well. And that number two, that he chose me for her and her for me. And I have recalled that over and over and over again when I'm looking at her and going, I have no idea why you're acting like this. I have no idea what's going on right now. I have no idea how to handle this because you're so different than me. Um, and so, but again, it's, it's it, but now I have that truth so that when those things are happening, I'm not paralyzed by fear, but that I'm able to look and go, God has equipped me and he chose me for her and her for me. And so that truth has, again, then changed the way that I process these situations with my daughter. It's renewed my mind and changed, and changed me. And so this is opportunity number two. This time the lie made it into my hippocampus. Okay? It made it into the place of where I was deciding, does this need to be filed in my permanent memory storage, or does this need to be gotten rid of? It got in that place where I dwelled there for a couple of days. And then, but then when I spent time with the Lord, it was like, no, this is a lie. This is not what God has for me. And so it left. So that's opportunity number two. But sometimes it's really hard to identify the lie. Sometimes we've been walking a certain way for years and years and years, and it feels paralyzing to know, can I ever change the way that I'm acting? And so, sometimes maybe you know the lie, but you just can't really seem to get over it. You can't really seem to figure out, how do I get beyond this? How do I start walking in the truth? Um, and so your third tool is called a metacog. And remember I mentioned the neuroscientist who um, wrote the book and does the brain science, that this is kind of her method of journaling. And um, so this is actually um, going to be a picture of, of mine, up there, of my metacog that I did. It's kind of an abbreviated version, um, but it's a few years, or a few months ago, I'm sorry, I've been feeling just really overwhelmed and really overcommitted, and I'm an introvert, which means that I really like people, but I recharge by being alone. And so, um, I just, you know, as I was feeling overwhelmed, I started to think, you know, gosh, this maybe this is, this is a weakness. Maybe that I started feeling these things that, like, my life would be easier if I was an extrovert. I'd be able to host better. I'd be able to be a better mother. Um, you know, I feel selfish when I need to be alone. Shouldn't I be able to serve God and spend myself and, you know, give, give, give and, and not have to be alone? And so, but as those thoughts started to go through my head, I started to think that the way that I was created as an introvert was, was actually a weakness. And so, and I, I couldn't really get around it because 
It's partially true in that if I was an extrovert, would it be easier to host and have a lot of people in my house all the time? Absolutely. And so, but the problem with that is, is that it's a half-truth. And that, that if it's a half-truth, then really it's a lie. And so I point that out because a lot of times we, you know, Satan likes to give us half-truths because they're really hard to identify. Because we're like, well, it feels true, so it kind of must be true. You know, or that you, you can kind of find the thread of truth in there, and so you don't really recognize the lie. So that's just a side note for you there. Um, but back to the metacog. So I read this book, and she started, she talked about how to do this exercise. And, um, still up there? Okay. So, so I started really by just writing down every thought that I could think of. And my original metacog covers like an entire sheet of paper. This is, again, just to not make it so overwhelming. <laughs> um, but I had a lot of thoughts that were wrong. And, um, and then I just started grouping them together and trying to find themes and patterns of thinking and ways that, that all of this kind of, you know, was, again, when it swirls around in your brain, it, it just, and it feels true, it's really hard. But when you can take the time to do this and write it down, and you start to see this pattern. And the two main patterns for me were that it was a weakness and not a strength. And that um, it made me feel like I didn't really have a place in the church. Because it seemed like a lot of things in church were geared toward extroverts. And so it made me feel like, I don't have a role. What do, you know, where do I belong? And so those were my two you know, main, main things. Um, but then, once I was able to see those, it became so clear. As soon as I thought, well, that's not true. Of course God has a place for me in the church. And of course he didn't make me in such a way that this would be, you know, that this is a bad part of my personality. Of course he made me unique and with a purpose. And so um, I repented for believing those lies, and I asked God for forgiveness. And then I asked him to speak um, to me and to replace those lies with the truth. And so the next one is where I just took the whole metacog, each thought, and I found a scripture that spoke to every single lie. And so I didn't write out the scriptures, but I put the references up there just so you know, again, not so it was so overwhelming. Um, but I just, yeah, so then I read and meditated on the truth. And I read and reread this piece of paper every day for three weeks. They say it takes 21 days to make a habit, so that's what I thought. So, <laughs> um, so, I, so I read and reread it over and over and over again every morning. And honestly, at the end of those three weeks, I really knew that my, my brain was different. I knew that the truth had replaced those lies. And the enemy really tries to come back at me with this a lot. Pretty much any time I feel like I've overcommitted myself, he starts to say, wouldn't it be better if you were an extrovert? Wouldn't it be better if you, you know, if you didn't feel so tired all the time by all these people? And, and I have to go, no, no, that's not true. And the main verse, I think, um, is up there where it said that, that God made the weaker parts to actually be indispensable. And when I read that, I just started weeping because I knew that that was the word of God for me, that, that he made each of us uniquely and with a purpose and that each of us is indispensable no matter what our personality. And so, um, so this is your third opportunity. This is your ongoing chance to renew your mind. That you can do, you can, um, you know, do the metacog or journal or whatever you want to use, but that 
those that's a, that's a way that I have operated in that place of, of feeling like my introversion was a weakness for years, years and years and years. And it was only really after I did the exercise that I realized that um, that it was a lie that I had been walking in, and not just one lie, many many lies, honestly. Um, so this is good news. You're not doomed to walk in lies forever, even if you've been walking that way for 20 years. You know, you don't have to stay there. But God has given us this opportunity for change. And so um, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So I know this takes work. I, you're probably looking at me like, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, but I have to tell you again that it, it really has changed my life. It has changed the way that I operate. And so if you can discipline yourself, that when you start feeling something, to say, okay, I'm going to take 10 minutes with God this morning and journal through what is going on with me, you know. Um, and, and again, so like I said with the, the, the bombers in Watertown, it was super easy for me to recognize it and to say, Lord, I repent for believing that lie. Your truth is that you are my protector. And so, amen, you're my protector. I'm going to walk in that today. And then sometimes, again, it's going to take a lot more work. This Metacog I did over the course of several days. Just, you know, and 30 minutes here and there trying to walk with the Lord and ask God for insight. And, and sometimes you won't get it immediately, honestly. I didn't really get anything the first day. But that's where you keep pressing into God. Or you can ask somebody for help. You can say, hey, I've really been struggling with this. Can you pray with me? And, and, you know, help me to see the lies that I've been believing. And then you can take that and go back and journal through with the Lord. And so, just an example of that was um, a few weeks ago before I had Clara, just my little one. Um, we didn't have a name for her and, <laughs> you know, third child. And um, I, I've been, <laughs> not that we haven't tried, um, with my other two, I prayed while I was pregnant and waited on God and felt like the Lord just spoke just some really significant words for them that I carried throughout my pregnancy. And then with her, I would pray and wait and wouldn't get anything. Big, fat, nothing. I didn't have a single word from God on her, with about her. And I started to allow fear to come in and I was like, what if something's wrong with her? What if the Lord is not giving me something because something terrible is going to happen to her after she's born or she's not going to be, you know, or in the womb? And and I really, again, I had journaled, I had metacogged, and I just couldn't, it kept coming back. I kept having a hard time. Um, this lie would come back. And so when I went to mom's group a few weeks before she was born, I just said, hey guys, I've really been struggling with this. I can't seem to get around it. Would you pray for me? And they prayed for me and waited on God and got all of these words, <laughs> um, particularly about the silence of God, in that there is a reason for it sometimes, and that it draws us near, and it draws us to a new place, and that God's heart for Clara is not one that says, I'm going to hold back on you because something bad's going to happen. You know, obviously, you're probably listening to me and going, why would you think that? Clearly, that's not from God, but when it's in your own head, it's hard. 
And so I was able to take those words from other people and then, again, go back and journal and metacog and say, okay, God, help show me, again, match up these things that you've spoken with the lies that are in my head. Okay, and so um, now it's your turn. So we're going to do this together, um, and I think it, it just to give you some insight into how it's done. So I want you to take out a piece of paper or a bulletin or on your phone or whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, we're going to do it together. And then, and you can do it on your own, in your head, or I'm going to pray and walk you through this process just so you know kind of what it looks like. Um, so this is, this is exactly how I would do it. Um, if I was if I was going to sit down and do this with God, um, and so remember that this is is a process that we're going to go through with God. We're not going to do this alone and in our heads, but that we're going to pray and ask God to speak to us. Um, so God, thank you that you sent your Son to set us free from bondage, God. Um, that you would give us your truth, God. Thank you for creating our brains in such a way that doesn't make us remain as the old self, but that it can be renewed and made new. And God, I ask that you would reveal any toxic thought, emotion, or sin that I am walking in. So I want you to just wait on God and then write down any toxic thought emotion or sin that comes to mind. God, I pray that you would reveal the lie that is at the root of what I believe.
will reveal your truth. And I declare the truth of your word over me today. And so this is where you would begin to listen and dwell and believe and act on this new truth that God gave you. That you would read this over and reread and meditate um, on, on this new truth. Um, every day or every time you start to feel that toxic emotion again. Um, and so what we've been talking about today, Mind Renewal, is not about a formula or a way to fix you. Um, but these are just tools designed to help you walk out in transformation. Um, again, they're just, I've, I've really seen God work in my own life to change me. And so my prayer, and I'm praying with, with confidence that he longs to see you walk out in freedom and in transformation as well. And so, um, so I do pray that you would use these tools. So I'm just going to pray for us. Okay. So God, thank you, God, that you care for us so deeply. Lord, that you made a way. God, that you made a way for us to be with you. That um, you came as Emmanuel, as God with us. Um, not just to, to save our souls and, and to take us to heaven, God, but so that we could be in relationship with you and that we could be like you. And that one of the ways that we're like you is that you've given us the ability to have the mind of Christ that you have um, built into us as you journey with us, a way for our minds to be renewed and changed so that we don't have to walk in bondage for years and years, God, but that you long for us to walk in freedom and in your truth. And so, Lord, I pray um, that you would speak um, to the people that are here, God, that you would give them insight uh, into the lives that they are believing, God, into the patterns of thinking that are toxic and that the enemy would want to use to kill them. Um, God, I pray that you would give them courage um, and give them discipline to take the time to ask you for insight into their mind, God. Um, because, and I know that you'll do it. I've seen you do it in my own life, and I've been so thankful for for the ways that you have changed me. Um, and that it hasn't been from my ability, but simply this place of saying, Lord, I want you to change me. And that was, that was it. That, that's all I did um, was, was coming to you and that you did the rest through um, the work of your spirit. And so, God, I pray that you would do these things um, in the people in this room. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Start with Lori a little bit before she's comparing herself to Jeff. You know what? Your presentation could be a little different from Jeff's. Personality, who you are, and your gifting is different. She's got a teacher's gifting. It's clear, simple progression, not a lot of ups and downs, and not a lot of entertainment, you know? And the, and the note, but I'm saying is. You know, the exhorter of Jeff was like a show, one-man show. It was all these things happening at once. Like, what, what was that? And uh, but what was there was clear, precise word from the Lord that builds foundations and set people free. Thank you so much, Lord. 
Isn't that good? Excellent. Several different passages of Scripture come to my mind as, as you were speaking. Like in, in, uh, in James chapter 1, that talks about the progression. It goes right along with that in, I think, 12th verse right around there, 13, 14. So we go back again. We're to be renewed in Romans chapter 12. The goal is renewing of our minds that we may prove the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Let's stand up. We're going to close today. And uh, pray that you would be, you would grow in discernment and wisdom. There was a book that you referenced. What was the name of it? Who Switched Off My Brain by Caroline Leaf. Any questions or other things that you want to interact with, worry about, would be great. Now, this is a progression. Don't think, oh, she got, gave me this key, it's all going to work, I'm all different now. All these things take time as we grow. We want to learn together. So, once you, yeah, once you leave us out, of course, you're going to close it up.